Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Atlantic Bushcraft Adventures. Tonight we are on episode 231. And as you can see, we are kind of back to our old layout and stuff like that. For once, I'm not traveling. Ben's bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and looking fabulous as always. And we're here with another great topic ready to go. So as promised from last week, it's kind of back to things as normal, I think. As normal as we get, as we were discussing right before we came on. <laughs> Yeah, in case anyone's wondering, we have realized that there is no control in society, and somehow we've been allowed to be broadcasting this on almost every social media event in the world for 430-something times, and nobody stopped us. So, I know, I mean, yeah. it, it's... it's <laughs> odd. <laughs> banned, or, or threatened, or anything, like, no... <laughs> I mean, it, it's just not right, it's not right at all, but... All right. <laughs> Any case, um, so this kind of is your topic here, Ben. Uh, as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a great topic. But being yours, why don't you lead us in a little bit? Oh, sweet. Now you remember what I told you. <laughs> Making things work. Making things, yeah. So uh, there is a few things I had captured in this. This is this is the essence, I guess, of how we, how, well, it's the essence of how me and you survive. <laughs> yeah, more or less. And I mean, this is exactly what I thought. Any, and I don't want to say good bushcrafter, but any bushcrafter with a little bit of experience under their belt, I think it's going to relate to this topic. Um, as you and I at least know, and I think a good majority of our listeners will know because we talk to them in the comments fairly often. Um, sometimes you kind of got to make do with what you got, right? You, you, you definitely do. Um, the, the thing is, life isn't pretty. In, in life, we're getting real philosophical this week, uh, but in life, you're not always going to be given the ultimate tool for everything you need. You're not always going to get everything you need to make it the absolute best. You have to do with what you have. So in bushcrafting, when it's time to go and you have to make a decision and you have, you know, you have all your kid, what am I going to take and what am I not going to take or where am I going to go? All these things can be asked, answered with this thing. You have to learn to make it work. You have to look at what you got and say, okay, I can I can work with this. Um, the more ingenious you are, the, the better you're going to get at it, and the more you'll realize you can you can do with less somehow. Um, and by no means are we saying don't don't get good gear, gear you, that you need absolutely nothing. What we're saying is... You can almost always do most things with what you have if you put your, the right effort into it. Um, and the easy ones, and we'll hit the kid, maybe we'll hit a couple of easy things. You don't have to have tent pegs to go camping. No, right? not at all. And I, my first one was actually going to go even further than that. You don't necessarily have to have a tent to go tent camping. Uh, for me, a tent that I use much when I am like hammock camping. Just becomes a ground tarp when I'm solo camping. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I make a shelter out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a, a good ground sheet or a, a good tarp, a, a plastic blue tarp or whatever color you happen to find these days, uh, anything that can stop water can be turned into a tent if it's big enough to cover you. Um, I have seen somebody use a shower curtain as a tent. It worked quite well, actually. Um, you know, it's approximately six foot long. It's four foot wide. It's waterproof. You can. There's already some holes in it. They're not in the perfect location, but you can build a lean-to or shelter, even a small A-frame with this, and crawl in and keep the water up. And that's all the tent needs to be. You can make it work. You know, a garbage bag cut along the side can make a square big enough to make a decent dart. Yeah, drum liners. That's why drum liners are one of the big things. Most people tell you throw in the bottom of your pack. It can go there. It takes up very little room, no weight, and it can do a lot of stuff out there for you. It can be a water container. It can be a poncho. It can be a shelter. It can be uh, almost like a bivy bag, depending on how big your drum liner is. And you might have seen me snickering, and I'm going to bring a, a attention to a comment down here. we got uh, Dave joining us, Real Big Monkey one uh, Folks that are new to the channel, for us here, if you haven't listened to Dave... Jump over to his channel once again, Real Big Monkey One, another great outdoorsman, has a lot of videos, a lot of good stuff from the south there. Uh, he said, "Gee, you mean like getting to camp, unpacking your hammock, and only having one ha uh, 
tree strap. <laughs> and funny Listen, enough, I'm wondering if Dave was tuned in last week. <laughs> but but it is one of those things, yeah, for sure. Like we made we, we made that work. And and uh yeah, Chris reached out right after she's making fun of my family and, and so he's listening too, so he heard. Uh, <laughs> and and I think we're still friends, so it's okay. Um I'm sure we're still friends. And make no mistake, folks, we make fun of no one. We joke a lot, but we understand this stuff happens. And it happens to the best of people. Uh, and it happens a lot to us. <laughs> Not that we're the best of people. It just happens a lot to us. Yeah, um, yeah but that's that's a good example. You know, you can make it work. We we made a tree strap off the, uh, the line on my boat. And hooked the whoopee sling to that we used the stick uh for the marlin spike hitch and we quickly managed to jury rig something that worked and there was enough re remaining stuff in my hammock kit to make my hammock work so we were able to make it work and that's a that's a very good example um when we went to leave for that trip we had to make a lot of things work that wasn't the only thing uh, my daughter decided to come we didn't quite have all the gear we needed for her Chris had brought some, but we needed a few odds and ends. So we made a quick trip to uh, Frenchie's. Yep. Uh, and we went in and I found a beautiful little folding chair. It takes up almost absolutely no room. Like, you know, those those pole ones that take up like that much room. Mm -hmm. This does not. This takes up about the size of a book, like a thin book, like a magazine. That's kind of cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, I've seen them in the dollar store a few times and it literally it's it's four U's all joined at the same point and there's a, a strap that goes across across it and you will fully open up and two steel plates with a little hook on it and when you just push them together and the hooks and it creates enough tension to hold the whole thing together and man it held my weight so it's i was just about to say design sounds like it would be fine for your daughters probably wouldn't hold me but if it held your weight i'd feel a lot more comfortable on it so we, I think we picked it up five bucks. It was, it just happened to be there. I think I've seen similar ones before. Uh, we made it work. I mean, it wasn't the biggest, most comfortable seat, but when you have to go and you want a place to go and that's a comfort item you want, that, that worked for us. We could have used the hammocks, yeah. But we tried to keep the hammocks away from the fire and above the, uh, the tent peg pads that the park provided mm. us for that trip. And that um, makes sense. And I guess something worth mentioning, folks, is if you don't know what a Frenchies is, I don't know if that's specific to Canada or North America, but for anybody overseas, it's like a used clothing store, thrift shop kind of deal. It's, I guess that's the only way to really describe it. It's, if you have used clothes or gently used clothes, I think is what they say, uh, and other household items that you may want to get rid of, it's not quite like a great... Um, Value Village, which is another big spot that a lot of us hit in this, like in Eastern Canada at least. Uh, it's more clothing oriented, but you can still find a lot of real neat stuff there. I, I, that chair, for one, like that's a great snag. I wouldn't have expected something like that there. Well, man, they had a bunch of stuff. They had some, uh, they had an Isbet stove in there. They had, uh, I mean, I, I didn't buy it all, but they had other stuff, a lot of fishing gear in there. Oh, wow. Uh, that sounds like a lot better than the Frenchies that we have, like, here locally and i'm sure you know what i mean if you've ever been to the ones here yeah but you by shopping around to some of these places you can find some pretty neat stuff um and that's the thing like i i do want the absolute best of all gear i just realize i can't necessarily get that not reasonably uh without having you know my wife murder me in my sleep for the insurance money uh <laughs> <laughs> refer to the prior conversation ben yeah um so but there's there's an added joy in finding that that random item that item that you know does the job just as good or better uh and only costs you a fraction of what you know the other product would have been well most of us bushcrafters outdoorsy people campers any way you want to label us we're already spending so much money on our hobby. Just getting to where we're going nowadays, like the cost of fuel is up, traveling's more tricky, uh, just finding places to go. If you want to do some like um, 
trail hopping and stuff like that where you might you know stay at a uh, not necessarily camp but like uh one of those quincy huts or something like that i mean the cost of all that stuff is so much now anywhere you sure. can save a few dollars it's worth it now oh man it it really is i mean my fuel in most places is about two bucks a liter now or or more more i think it's 208 when i drove by the gas station today we're almost uh, breaching yeah. two now here in nova scotia so, I mean, it is rough. It is it is rough. That costs something. It's, you know, I, I happened to be talking to a friend today, and they said, like, sometimes the best place they could think to think and just clear their head was to drive. And I was thinking, man, like, that's expensive right now, right? And for me, it used to be hiking and stuff. But a good hike, because hiking through the city is, is not the same as hiking through the woods. You know, for me right now is oftentimes except for a couple of exceptions like small parks a good woods is an hour drive i mean you're looking mm. at you know 20 30 bucks in fuel potentially oh just yeah for sure my motorcycle ben you you've seen my bike i took it out today uh i took it into a doctor's appointment and i filled the tank tank was about quarter you know quarter tank too full we're talking motorcycle here folks 32 dollars $32 to fill a motorcycle. I have never spent more than 20 bucks to fill my bike. You, you need to trade that thing in for a, a beast round, my friend. I don't... <laughs> I can almost drive that from a truck. <laughs> you know I mean? But no, no, realistically. Um, yeah, it just... It shocked me. It really drove home what the cost of fuel was. Like, I, I dug my bike out because the cost of fuel is going up. And I've been driving a little more. And this is the first time... And we're totally off topic now. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, cost of gas just surprised me. Uh, a quick comment here from Nomad. Join us. Uh, Nomadic Hacker. Uh, speaking of joy, I've been using my grandfather's Korean War mess kit. It's not the best, but it brings me joy. That's another big thing there is, like, the old military mess kits. Those things are so multi-purposed. You know what I mean? Like, uh, not just the GI cups. The GI cups, they're classic. You know what I mean? Uh, everybody at some point probably had one scene one along with the GI cup and the canteen kind of mess. I still have one that I frequently use. But, I mean, just your cookware. That's where you can get a lot of multi-uses out of things. Like, I carry one pot, one larger diameter, shallower pot, and it becomes my pot, my bowl, my plate, my frying pan. Like... That's it. I don't bring a big mess kit. Uh, the old military ones like Nomad's talking about here, those things, they're like self-contained and way better than what I would have. Mine is literally just a pot I think I got from Value Village. And my little butane burner kind of fits into it. And I was like, okay, good enough. And off it went. I, I think a lot of us end up building our own little mess kit. And those things were, were more or less pre-designed and if you can get some of the old ones, yeah, there's there's a, uh, what's the word? I mean, bring to joy, but yeah, there's a, a word. For it. Satisfaction? Nope. Mm. nope. It'll come to me. Fair <laughs> After enough. The yeah. <laughs> you know, it, there's something about using an, something like that. Um, actually, a lot of people use, you know. Nostalgic? Nostalgic, yeah. There's a nostalgia about it, yeah. Um, and some, you know, some people like to, to camp to a certain time period, and you'll see them camping with old cotton tarps and, uh, and old bedrolls and stuff like that. And it's there's a beauty to that. Uh, somebody I used to look up to a lot for fire making, Sam. Uh, and I won't mention his last name because I try to never mention last names on our channel just out of respect and privacy for people. But people that know who i mean by sam um he he is a very period bushcrafter you know what i mean uh he does not necessarily he still enjoys a lot of the modern stuff but he enjoys doing period and i'm trying to remember what the period is he does it's like renaissance period where it's a lot of um canvas tarps iron skin you know flint steel stuff like that uh, and he loves it and does a lot of his own things. He, he goes and gets the canvas material, uh, and, and I think he still does this anyway, uh, and he will make his own mixtures to do iron skin to it. Uh, he had mentioned putting like iron, iron oxide powder in the mix, like different things that were relatable at the time to give it strength and durability. He still does. And, uh, it, it's really neat. It's a really cool concept. Yeah, 
No, it, it definitely is. And, you know, when you see that, it, it seems a bit more relaxing. And I don't, I don't know why there's no logical reason for it, except I think it takes you out of today. Because if you think about it right now, a lot of us are very tied up in today and in rat race and chasing things and needing to get the next best watch or the next best phone or the next best car or the next next thing, like trying to keep up. And it seems impossible. And sometimes saying, no, I'm not keeping up. I'm just stepping back. And in fact, I'm stepping back 100 years or 200 years. And I'm just going to live like that. And it brings you a peace. And it, it is, you know, it is a joy to watch. And I can just imagine the relaxedness of, of just living like that and sort of stepping back and just being in that moment. And that's, that's the thing. You, to make it work, though, that's what they had to do. You know, when if you look at how people lived in those times, they made it work. They looked at what they had, and they made it work. I think a big draw to that era, because there is there, there's, like, groups and stuff that do this, uh, for anybody that hasn't delved into this a little bit, that's... <laughs> it's not too much technology... It's not no technology. It's just the right amount of technology to basically put your own destiny in your own hands. Like us as modern day bushcrafters, for instance, we still rely on a lot of modern day technology that gives us a lot of advantages as we're in the Renaissance, uh, like the, the civil, the civil warrior and stuff like that. You had enough to make do, but then your ingenuity had to come into aspect with it, which is a big part of what we're going to be talking about here tonight. Like you might have went out with a uh, a dirt dagger and a canvas tarp, and that that was your stuff. You know what I mean? And you had to figure out how to make that work. And these folks went out for long periods of time, just making things work. Um, two things I want to draw to from the comments before we move on. Dave, once again, real big monkey one. I used to save a lot of money on DIY tarps and hammocks, but now even the cost of fabric has skyrocketed. I guess it's because it takes diesel fuel to deliver everything we buy. And yeah, that's the thing. Um, everything's gone up. Everything has gone up in price, but you can still save money on a lot of DIY projects. Ben is a, a big guy for DIY projects when it comes to hammocks and stuff like that. The second comment I want to hear, and it's more towards a name. Steve's joining us, friend of ours, uh, Ben and Rob's friend here, Steve McDonald. It's Steve semi sober Steve McDonald. <laughs> you want to elaborate, Steve, or you just kind of give us a wink and we'll leave it at that, bud? We're not touching that one, buddy. <laughs> and Nomad finally said a lot of the old ones, being the mess kits, are stainless, not aluminum. And that's true. Stainless, um,. And getting away from the stainless versus aluminum for the, you know, aluminum oxide poisoning and stuff like that, which you can go and do your own research. It's a whole thing. Uh, depending on what side of the fence you're on on that, it may be a problem, may not be a problem. <laughs> we got a wink wink, so we're going to leave it alone. Um, stainless steel just tends to be a little more tougher. It has a higher thermal point as well, so you can use it for a few more things. Uh, I mean, I've used one of my old GI cups as a semi-hammer. I'm not going to lie. Put some water in it, put the lid on it, wrap a piece of rope around it, and you kind of got a weighted hammer. I probably wouldn't try that with an aluminum one. But uh, stainless, I, I tend to like stainless more only because of the durability factor. If it scratches, um, no big deal. You're not really losing anything. It, it's a little heavier, um, but I like it for durability. It has nothing to do with the whole aluminum oxide poisoning thing. Uh, was it Dave that did the video with the applesauce, or was that somebody else? I can't remember now. I feel like you did one. Dave, chime in. Was it you that did the... the you did? It might have been you that did the video where you took a whole bunch of stuff out with some applesauce, and the old thing was if you threw applesauce on the aluminum and it turned pink, I think it was, it, it was releasing uh, aluminum oxide gassing, and that's the stuff you probably didn't want to you know use and cook stuff with. But the reality is a lot of the modern-day aluminum stuff is, like, ionized, and a lot of the older aluminized stuff was, like, polished aluminum. Um, I did turns pink yeah so it was dave i knew it was dave i just had to you know i just wanted to be sure but yeah so real big monkey one if anybody wants to get some real good information uh or a good demonstration on the whole aluminum oxide thing check his channel out just do um i think if you look for like aluminum and apple under his thing it, it'll come up but yeah 
Dave definitely knows how to make it work because he's been making things work for years. I've I've seen a lot of his videos where he has, you know, figured things out and come up with new ideas and built things. Um, but I think that's that's part of the the adventure and the the excitement because if you went out with all top of the line gear and used it exactly the way it was designed to be used, then you're just one of a hundred people that did that or a thousand people who did that. But when you do something that's out of the ordinary, when you do something that few people have done or people haven't done in years, that creates a memory that's more unique to you. And I think it really holds. So <clears throat> coming up with neat camping food ideas, that's something that I really enjoy. And you've seen me do this. Oh, yeah, right? for sure. Well, that's where right. I got my whole I'm going to eat good at camping stuff now. Um was Ben, and I've talked about it in previous episodes. If you're curious, go back and listen to one of the 200 and other 30 episodes. But if there's something you want to eat in the woods, figure it out. Make it work. You, you can do it. There's nothing you can't cook in the woods with a little bit of time and a bit of ingenuity. And and those things really make it fun. I, I have cooked a turkey in the woods. I, I kid you not. A full, total, complete turkey. And not just <laughs> cooked. Deep fried. My friend, you deep fried a turkey in the woods, and it was amazing. Um, steak. A lot of people are like, "Oh, I don't want to take a frying pan to cook steak." You and I, we have cooked steak directly on the coals, and it is delicious. Honestly, the only hint I got for you is just make sure the ash is cleared away, and it's just good, clean coals. And there was very little on the meat, surprisingly little. It was. It was. I I had expected much more stuff to sort of stick to it. Much, I expected much more fire seasoning. <laughs> yes, I expected it to be crunchy for all the wrong reasons, but it wasn't, and it was delicious. Yep. And I did it a second time with uh, Steve, but I think this time I brought some tinfoil. And I just marinated the steak in the fridge and some barbecue sauce in a plastic bag, threw it in my cooler. It was the first meal I had. Just wrapped it in the tinfoil, buried it in the coals while we were still doing some camp stuff. Came back to it like 30 minutes later. Man, it was amazing. Might have been a little overcooked, but it was still good. I uh, I went to visit some friends of my wife's one time. They were camping, and they had literally forgotten or could not be bothered to. I can't remember which parts of their tent, and they just literally wrapped themselves in the tent and went to sleep. <laughs> so, you know. so this wasn't bushcrafting. This was high school hijinks. Uh, it might even have a prom party or a dance party or something like that. And I'm not going to say one of my friends, but kind of a friend at the time, more of an acquaintance, friend of a friend. Anyway, had maybe a few too many of the Wobbly Pops, and that's basically what they went and did. They went to set up their tent, really weren't in the condition to do it, so they just wrapped themselves in their tent and went to sleep. <laughs> and I mean, that's, that's the peak of making it work. Yeah. The, the, the time I, my wife's friends did it i mean we were all adults but yeah it was it was very much like that <laughs> <laughs> similar experience i see it's it's funny how when the wobbly pops come into effect the, the the adult beverages for anybody that knows what i mean by wobbly pops things get sloppy fast and that's not just bushcrafting that is pretty much exclusively across the board <laughs> by the way by no means do we encourage or discourage or <laughs> I mean, you, you folks do you. This is just real-world experience. The more alcohol in your system, the less things get done properly, but also the less you care, in all honesty. Drink responsible, people. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know something else that I take with me that has a 100 uses? And we joke about it a lot. Dollar store tarps. The $4 8x6 tarps, those can become a shelter. They can become a ground sheet. They can be a tarp for over your hammock. I used one at the first Nova Scotia Bushcraft Gathering. There's a picture up on our Facebook page somewhere. And was it fancy? No. Did it keep me dry? Absolutely. Um, for 4 bucks, once again, like the drum liner, takes no nothing. And that has 100 uses. I've cut a hole in one and made, like, literally a poncho out of it. I have put one up over a tent because, for some reason, uh, what was it? I think a whim went through my tent, so I had a hole in the back. So I just put a wedge on it, on the back with this four-foot tarp, and pfft, 
Good to go. Kept the wind out. Kept the rain out. Didn't keep the critters out. But eh, can't have everything. I've uh, I've used similarly uh, the emergency blankets, the the the, the mylar. The mylars. Yeah, for the same purposes, um, and that doesn't take up much room. Weighs very little. Um, I wouldn't consider it a good primary shelter. I've I've seen people try that, even taping the tide points and stuff. It it is flimsy enough that it can fail, uh, but but you definitely can use it to reinforce things and add to. It. For sure. Now, Nomad's opening up a can of worms here. I wasn't going to touch this topic, but seeing he brought it up, let's dive into the great fun that is Jiffy Pop. He said, I'm waiting for Jiffy Pop to enter the conversation. So Jiffy Pop, not only is it delicious over campfires and one of the few popcorns you can make while you're camping, you can use the leftover pan for many things. I forgot my cook kit once. So we ate the Jiffy Pop, it became my frying pan, it became my coffee pot. The wire around it later on went to fix my tent. I still kept the pan and was putting it on coals to try and heat up water in the morning to make my coffee or tea, whatever it was. It, it had a weird buttery taste to it. I'm not going to lie, kind of grew on me by the third cup. <laughs> <laughs> With a bit of persistence. I've heard of people adding butter to their coffee, so that is not a nut that, that um, it was weird it worked i'm not telling people to go out and put butter in their coffee but if some happens to fall in give it like two cups it works believe it or not no butter and coffee is a real thing that is a thing yeah it was absolutely butter. delicious but i mean there's a lot of stuff to a jiffy pop container all joking aside one you do have the popcorn it comes in two it is a tinfoil lined pan and you can use this for heating up water or cooking something i think we also cooked eggs on this thing might have stuck a little bit i don't think it's meant to handle the intense heat we were putting it into directly on a fire but such is life uh and then it has that stiff wire ring around it with the handle which once again is amazing. I think I, like I said, I ended up using it to repair a tent pole. And I think I ended up using the other one as a gill guard for fishing. You know what I mean? Just to hang my fish on. I mean, that, it's strong enough for as a handle for you to move things. So you can definitely turn it into hooks, uh, to hang lanterns, to help hold your gear up. You can definitely use it as a repair thing. Uh, it, you can use it to stiffen things if you need it to. So you can make a, a a frame or a structure for definitely you can make it for trap you could use it for a lot of stuff tin foil like you said great for cooking um and actually the leftover popcorn i know that's a weird word but should you not eat all of the popcorn me and you have never you mean on our popcorn. third pan of jiffy pop <laughs> <laughs> uh, is actually very flammable and can be used to start a fire too 100 <laughs> percent corn chips for anybody out yeah. there that doesn't know this trick, pack corn chips. If you ever have a problem getting fire going, one of those suckers burns like a candle. Yeah. Um, and it's also really good for tracking, attracting animals. Uh, so you can throw some out. And you'll get some whiskey jacks within no time, some squirrels, probably some mice, uh, and even bigger rodents like raccoons will come pretty eagerly for popcorn. Um, but you can train uh a whiskey jack or a gray jay depending on how you, where you live what you call it but they are very trainable and a handful of popcorn will do you wonders you can i was gonna say uh, gray jay they're or a whiskey jack is a gray jay right that's what we call a gray jay around here they're the little birds you can get them to sit in your hand kind of deal yeah, hmm. yeah black and black and uh gray bird looks the size of a of a blue jay but it's yeah I think we also call them YJs or something like that. Anyway, that's a whole other topic. Um, By the way, they they tell they tell on you. Yes, because they'll start squawking and then it just runs down the forest. Yeah, they, the entire they tell the entire forest you, where you are. Um, my grandmother used to swear if you shot one, you would not catch any meat that day. You know what? Some of those old sayings. Based in a little bit of truth, all I'm saying. I'm, I'm just going to say, if you're the type of person you're out hunting and you see a gray jay and decide to take a shot at it because you just want to shoot something, uh, I'm not saying it's bad luck. What I, I'm saying is that a those animals are smart enough. They will prevent you from catching anything. Like They are smart. Like They are as intelligent 
as most humans um, that I've met. <laughs> Just checking my list over here. Something that I think all of us multi-use, and it's going to be the old Ooh. eye roll groaner, but we're going to talk about it anyway. A good solid full tang knife can work wonders when you're out in the woods. And and I know knife's the bushcrafter's best friend, and we talked about them before and yada, yada, yada. But literally with one good knife and a little bit of ingenuity, you can pretty much make almost anything else you need to survive in the woods. You know what I mean? Given enough time, if time is not a constraint um, and resources are plentiful, you can pretty much survive with a knife. You know what I mean? Providing, once again, you you know, the resources are there to sustain you. Well, your two basic skills is a knife and rope. Like, if you can, if you can make twine, or if you have enough twine, rope, cordage, whatever you want to call it, and you have a knife so you can, you can whittle wood and you can cut the, the cordage and stuff. There is not much you can't make. You can make clothing. You can make shelters. You can make traps. You can make nets. Uh, you pretty well can make most of the things you're going to need. I mean, the limits are probably trying to make, like, me mechanized things. Like, you can't make a bicycle. Uh, but pretty shy of that, like, you could, you can make some pretty cool stuff with probably make a gondola get across i need waiting to rope over but you could you could make a basket with enough rope and stuff oh for sure and on that note you want to know what a really underappreciated skill is in bushcrafters that for some reason is sometimes frowned upon weaving weaving is a skill that is hard to master but it is invaluable to learn because with weaving, you can make sleeping mats, you can make clothing, you can make fish baskets, you can make netting. You like weaving is an amazing skill to know, and I wish I knew it better. In all honesty. Oh man, yeah, no, I, I, I'm a similar note there. I've I've got a little bit of experience and knowledge with it, just enough to be dangerous. But yeah, I mean, you know, left over right, left, back and forth, back and forth, and you can just make a square, and you make squares bigger. And you know what? Most building is making squares. If you can make squares, you can build, build almost anything. And I believe I that, too. Uh, so two uh, comments from the side here. Steve, I take one hefty knife and <laughs> one knife to impress my buddies. I don't think there's a bushcrafter alive that probably doesn't have a show knife. You know what I mean? Like, oh, here's my knife. And uh, then we have the ones that we beat through the bush. There's two types of people or two types of bushcrafter, those that will admit to that and those that won't admit to that. But I can guarantee you like 99% of us do that. Uh, and Nomad, a bandana. A bandana is a staple of being in the woods. You don't have to be a bushcrafter. You just have to, you know, walk around. You don't even have to walk around the woods. A bandana is an amazing thing. Uh, a good bandana. Not like the cheap dollar store ones, though you can get away with those. But if you can get a really good cotton bandana, like the old style, uh, what are they? I think they're, I think they're 20 by 20 inches, something like that. Like the, the larger cotton ones, those things are absolutely amazing. You can turn them into char cloth. You can use them for filtering water. You can use them for literally a bandana over your head to keep the sun off you. Um, you can use it as a bandage. You can use it as lashing. Like they have unlimited uses in all honesty. Your imagination is your only limiting factor. So you say it. And I mean, I, I have bandanas, so this yeah. is one, you know, it is. Is that the search and rescue one with all the neat stuff written on it? UTS. Uh, uh, yeah. Survival one. I like this one cause it has a lot of little right, write ups. It's, it's bright orange. It's hard to lose. I can use it as a flag if I need to. Um, but there's the, even these, like these are smaller. This one's probably made a foot by foot. Um, it's a bit more flimsy. It's really good to be using as a filter so water will pass through it, but it'll pick up bigger particulates. Uh, these were very traditionally kept uh, as part of gentlemen's wear. Like you, if you may, meet anyone- Yeah, like an actual an uh, pocket stuff. Yeah, you kept one in your pocket. I mean, you. If you were dressed up, 
you had a good one that was in your pocket square. That that was not a but this one went in your back pocket. And what, I think my grandfather said one time, this one's for you, her. Like the nice one was yep. for her. This one's this for her. One. This one's for you. My grandfather used to say same thing. Yeah. And so you, you know, they would wipe their hands with these. They blow their nose, but they would also have, you know, they were a piece of cloth. It's, and that's all it is, a piece of cloth. You could use it for whatever needed to be used. And they were traditionally cheap enough that when you were finished with them, you could toss them. It's, it really was a formal rag, right? And Pretty much. And I mean, the very underappreciated thing a bandana can do for you in the woods, hygiene. You can use it as a washcloth. It's not very thick, but it's still going to get a lot of the grime and stuff off you. And we've talked about this in past episodes. Hygiene is so important in the woods. Keep yourself clean. You'll keep yourself from be getting chafed. Keep yourself from getting chafed. You're going to have a lot more pleasant experience. Like, I mean, not just your nether regions and stuff like that, which most people are thinking, but literally under your arms, anywhere your skin touches and rubs, you can chafe. And once you chafe, it burns, it hurts, and it makes it miserable to get out to the point where you, potentially you may not be getting out that day if it's bad enough. If you want to get into um, first aid, hygiene, um, it never hurts to keep a little bit of duct tape in your gear. Never um, hurts to keep duct tape in your gear anyway. Uh, there's There's whole YouTube things on, like, modifying Bic lighters and duct tape is a big one on it. Yeah. A lot of guys will put five, 10 feet of duct tape, wrap it around their Bic lighter. It, it protects the Bic lighter, but that's definitely not the main purpose of it. But what it means is anytime you need a piece of tape, and I mean, a, a two inch by two inch piece of tape will repair a hole in your tarp. Yep. Or your tent. Um, I used to repair yeah. clothing. Rip, like, you know, slid down a hill, wrap, rip the back of your leg into your pants. Is it going to be fancy? No. Will it hold it together so your butt cheeks aren't hanging out? Yeah. You know what I mean? You can, you can repair a lot of your tools. If you're, if your knife handle breaks, you can wrap it with that. It'll hold it good, good enough to get you out of the woods. Same thing with an axe. I've seen people split an axe handle and then push it back together as close as they could and then wrap the thing in duct tape it's not great it's not going to be the best thing in the world for you but it'll probably get you through another couple of trees it might get you out of the woods right it'll get you to a spot uh it's not duct tape's amazing for blisters on your feet if you get a blister on your foot a piece of duct tape over it it's gonna stop the chafing and somebody told me so if it was a lie to me it's a lie to you folks it's a lie to you ben that whatever the chemical adhesive is in real duct tape like the brand name duct tape helps reduce blistering i don't know if it's good for you in the in what it's doing but it, it will potentially reduce blistering like not stop it from happening but once it happens it reduces the blister i don't know if it's from the compression on it or what it is but i used to do this when uh, new pair of work boots when i worked for natural resources uh they always say you shouldn't throw a new pair of work boots on and then go work in them for 14 hours but more often than not that's exactly what would happen when you were fighting fires we all kept duct tape you get a blister you slap some duct tape around it throw your boots back on you get at it and it is substantially better than without the duct tape oh yeah um if you get a severe cut and you need to stop the bleeding uh you take your handkerchief your bandana or whatever you wad it up you cover the cut itself, and then you wrap that appendage <laughs> with that duct tape, and it's going to hold, and it's not going to leak through. Is it the best idea in the world? If that's all you got, 100% it is. If it's not, if you have proper band-aids and stuff, I, re I do recommend that. But if you're in the woods, you're with your axe, you're with your saw, and you cut yourself bad, and you need to stop yourself from bleeding to get yourself out of there, it's going to hold. It's going to get you out of there. And so that's that is a solution, and you'll stick to anything. Like it, you can oh man, it is good stuff. And if you can afford it and get the gorilla tape, like that's next level stuff. <laughs> and it, then it's the hospital's problem how they're going to get it off when you make it there. Yeah. Uh, but that's a problem that you can deal with at that point. Uh, and you didn't need that body hair. You really didn't. It's going to be fine. It'll grow back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of my first aid instructors, uh, medical first responder instructor, he used to say, if you can keep the air going in and out and the blood going round and round, the hospital can figure out the rest. Yeah. 
right? So um, there, there are a few few basic tools. We, we haven't talked about Paracord for, for probably two reasons, but I'm going to bring it up anyways. Go for it. One, Paracord is not me and Robert's absolute favorite cordage. It is a decent cordage. Mm -hmm. I carry um, some in my bag. It's just not my go-to. Yeah. Um, but it is it is a cordage and it has a bunch of strands and stuff. And in an in emergency, it is a adequate fix when you need a rope. Uh, it, is there better ropes for every situation? A hundred percent. But it's probably one of the best all round ropes that you can quickly find. Like if you need a an, a solution to a whole bunch of problems, it works. You know, there's a reason so many people carry it. Um, so. You know, you and I guess full transparency before people are like, Rob, Ben, you're hating on paracord. It's not that we're hating on it. We just, we accept it for what it is. Paracord is good. As Ben said, paracord stretches when paracord gets wet. Uh, it stretches even more. And any knot that's in it basically became permanent. <laughs> it, it also self cuts mm. rather easily. Um, <clears throat> so. I've had a point where I was trying to pull something out of out of a tree, and I managed to get my paracord wrapped around it. And I used the the trick where you make the the knot with the loop. There's a proper name for it, and you can use it for mechanical advantage. Well, man, I started snapping ropes off left, right, and center because it really can't handle its own friction. Nope. Um, so <clears throat> it self cuts. Like if you want to cut paracord, the absolute quickest way, I swear to cut paracord is with a piece of paracord. It oh, for sure. It might cut paracord quicker than a good knife or scissors. Yeah, I could see that depending. I mean, once again, folks, we're not hating on paracord. We just recognize paracord for what it is. It has its yeah. purposes. Yeah, it has its limitations. Um, but, and then there's survival cord. And survival cord, for anyone who's unfamiliar with it, is basically a paracord with a whole bunch of extra things stuck inside of it. And I had some here somewhere, literally within arm's reach. I think it's over there, though. I think mine is, it's too much trouble to get it. But I got mine from the Canadian Tire version of it. And it has a strand of wire in it, which could be used for a whole bunch of things. And it has a strand of red line that's like a waxed cotton line, which could be used like a, basically like a little candle or a fire extender or whatever. Uh, it can be frayed and, and take a spark quick, a bit quicker. I think there's a few other things. I think there's a piece of fishing, fishing line. Fishing line, I think, is the other one that comes in it. Yeah. And so, that's better, like, standard paracord has seven strands of, of a... Seven of or a nine, line. depending on if it's 550 or 790. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, it's it's a line that's not solid. It's, it's made of a bunch of loops, and, and as such... It has a lot of stretch into it, and so does the jacket of a paracord. Um, now, for those so, of, that are interested, this is more what Ben and I's thing is. This is, uh, I don't know if that'll focus in, that's Kevlar wine. Yes. Kevlar and Dymena line are two really popular things for us, simply because it is ridiculously strong. Um, it has zero torsion load, and it has virtually no stretch. So here, see if I can get this up to the camera. It may focus in, it may not. So yeah, you can see that's 100% Kevlar braided line. There's 50 feet of it. Uh, it's a thousand pound line. And I mean, it is, there it is compared to my little finger. Like it is thin. Yeah. Yeah, if you look up the spec on on like Amsteel, which is my favorite brand name for it, made by Samsonite Rope. Um, but Dyneema line, there's a, cu a couple of companies that copy it. It's identical and works just as well. Um, this, this stuff, um, I think it has like 3% or 5% stretch at 80% load or something where paracord must be close to 25% stretch. Oh man. It has to be more than that. I made the mistake of tying up my hammock with paracord one night because it was all I had. Uh, and I was probably a foot and a half, two feet off the ground. And I woke up pretty much on the ground. Like my butt was almost touching. You know what I mean? I think there was like a little whim or something under there. And as the hammock rocked, something was poking me in the rear. And that's kind of what woke me up. So there's quite a bit of stretch on that stuff. 
30%. Yeah, that sounds about right. I'm actually surprised it's that low. I would have assumed it was like 35 40%, to be honest with you. Stuff stretches outrageously, and it breaks down in the sun. It's not the greatest UV-protected rope either. So this is from a frequently asked question on Paracord Planet. Not only does Paracord stretch, it has designed to stretch. If you look up the original regulations for Paracord, mil C5040, you will see that it says Paracord had to stretch at least 30%. This still holds true when you buy quality Paracord today. Uh, so good Paracord is going to stretch. So if you're trying to put up a tarp, know that it's going to stretch. And that means it's really going to be hard to keep something taut. There is a point where it won't stretch anymore. Uh, and it actually kind of changes its properties when it hits that. It kind of like locks a little bit. Um, but you have to put a lot of strain to get that point. Now, that's not all bad. It gives it some bounce. It gives it some flex. It means it's not going to snap as easily because it's going to give before it snaps. Um, but, I mean, you also have to realize what paracord originally was. Paracord was parachute cord. It was, you know, it was supposed to take a little bit of a... It was supposed to have a little bit of give when the chute opened. You know what I mean? That's why that stretch in there. Um, if it didn't have any stretch, I imagine it would almost feel... <laughs> well, imagine jumping off a building, holding a rope, and there being no stretch. You know what I mean? Go bungee jumping without the bungee. Just a rope. And that's kind of what would happen. Uh, yeah, anyway. Sorry, I didn't mean to derail us with all the, the paracord talk. I just wanted to make sure people understood that we don't hate paracord. We're not anti-paracord. We are just very observant of to what paracord is and its limitations. So, in contrast, I looked up Samsonite to see. So, if you look at Amsteel, which is, like I said, the product I like, at 10% of its breaking strength, its stretch characteristic is 0.46%, so less than half a percentage. At 30%, it's still less than 1% stretch. So to say it has no stretch would be a lie. To have to say it has virtually no stretch would be, wouldn't be pushing. Like, it, between 10 and 30%, it, it, the stretch doubles to almost a percent. So if you chart that out, you'll see that it, probably only stretches like three or four percent before it snaps at its final strength no 100 percent, and that's why like i said we, we're just more fans of kevlar or am steel or whatever you want to call it it's just it's what it is everybody uh, has their preferences that happens to be ours yeah red sand adventures i'm a jack of all and tend to do most things on my own and not ask for help plenty of times i have to make it work and figure it out and i think that's the thing with bushcrafting and camping and outdoorsing in general there are guides quote unquote but they're just one person's account of their adventures at the at the end of the day you know what i mean it, there's many a ways to do things there's better ways to do some things there's worse ways to do some things but honestly getting out there and finding out what works what doesn't is half the fun isn't it and that's oh, yeah. what all of this is about Figuring out how you can make some gear do different things, that's great. Like, uh, another big one is going to be that Scotch Eye doll you have. And I have one coming. Um, you'd be surprised what you can do with one of those. You know what I mean? I know you got to show off, but... <laughs> um, it's a simple tool that most people will be like, well, how can drone a hole help you? You'd be surprised how that can really help you out in the woods. You can make furniture. You can make more intricate devices now. Like With the ability to drill a hole comes the ability to make mechanical things to some extent. Because now you can make socket joints. Uh, can you do it with a knife in other ways? Of course you can. But now you are readily able to do them quickly. I saw this, uh, a stove that someone made. They took a stump. And they drilled once one hole down the center of the stump and then one hole 90% of the way, like 90 degrees into it, to the base. So you create that, that rocket stove idea. And then they drilled three holes around the top hole, about an inch in, and then cut some, jammed a couple of pieces of wood in each one, or one piece of wood in each one, 
condiment flush so that there was a one or two inch gap. And they take their frying pan, put on, but they just filled the hole with paper and, and sawdust and lit it. And the air got sucked into the bottom, the flame came out the top, and eventually the, the log itself is burning. And then they had a stove that they were cooking their steak on. And it lasted long enough to cook a steak. Oh, for sure. Uh, and that's just one thing. Like, there, there's many things you can do with a scotch all. It's, um, once again, I'm not going to derail us by talking too much on one thing. It's an amazing piece of toolkit. I'll leave it at that. Now, if you're looking for a good scotch all in Nova Scotia, I found a bunch. And I know I can direct you to them later. Send me the links. I'm always looking for stuff to look at. Um, oh, uh, jumping back to the first aid thing we were talking about there, this, oh, Hey, I found my tweezers. I was wondering where those went. <laughs> I was in here pulling a tick off me and apparently I jammed it in the spring of my boom mic here. And, uh, yeah, I just found them. They've been missing for like a month. Awesome. Um, feminine hygiene products, pads. We used to carry them in our hard hats. Uh, you know, you take them out of the package, you rip that sticky backing off them and literally just stick them into the inside of your hard hats. They used to make a pretty quick pressure bandage. They're designed to hold a lot of liquid. You know what I mean? If you get a bad cut, power saw cut is what we would have. You would rip that sucker out, jam it on, tape something over it and it would get you out of the woods. Is it the perfect option? No. Is it readily available and cheap and you can pretty much, well, readily available means you can buy it anywhere. Yes, and this was the good thing, man. You buy a box, you throw it behind the seat of your truck. Buddies may make fun of you, but guess who's not bleeding to death? You know what I mean? <laughs> and you can buy an industrial version of that for exactly for that. It is um, exorbitantly more expensive. Yeah, and that's the thing. They do make better products, but bang for buck. Get the cheapest ones you can because comfort is no longer really a worry on this thing. And as you pay more money, that's generally what our female counterparts are paying for is comfort and features and stuff like that. As a first aid device, you don't care. Get the thickest ones you can at the cheapest price and you're good to go. Yep. Um, another thing throw in your pack that just you can make do with so much is uh, lock wire. Somebody else mentioned a multi-tool. I think it was either Danny or Nomad. I can't remember. It's up there a little bit now, but a good multi-tool and some wire. Man, you can get out of a lot of pinches. I've held a ball joint on my old Ford Ranger with a piece of wire enough to get me out of the woods. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I used a clothes hanger to hold one on a dump truck to get out. No, it was the transmission. The joint for the transmission. Um, but yeah, a bit of lock wire, it, it makes a really sturdy stitching material. Uh, so you can stitch like heavy blankets, tarps, things together. But you can also bind things together. You can wrap it around fence poles, uh, tool handles, whatever. You can make snares out of it. You can do it. You can make a lot of things work with that very simple function. Mm, I don't know, man. We talked about a lot of stuff here tonight. And I know yeah. we could keep on going. Uh, beeswax. Yeah. It's another big thing that I carry around. Not so much in my pack, but just in my like bushcrafting corner. And if anybody wonders why I keep pointing over this direction, I have an entire shelf in the back corner of my office with my bushcrafting stuff laid out in different shelves for different things. Top shelf knives, then cook stuff, and then like the miscellaneous crap. And then there's like my extras which could be extra bags extra um beeswax things like that it's all over the beeswax itself you it makes a great candle it makes a great dubbing uh, you can mix it and cut it and make a waterproofing uh it smells relatively okay like beeswax is underrated you know uh, if you can if you can do it uh a thing is lip balm can be used for a lot but if you replace the lip balm with beeswax you can still use it as a lip balm yes but 
you can seal material with it. You can do seam sealing in your tarps and tents and stuff. Uh, chafed areas, you can use it a little bit on that. Uh, lip balm will do a similar thing. Um, there's a lot you can do with that for sure, 100%. And it's a good little applicator. You can like, fix things. No, 100%. Right? I use be uh, beeswax for seam sealing, much like you said. You know what I mean? Uh, also, lubricating zippers. Yes. In a pinch, if yeah. you don't have beeswax, ladies and gentlemen, wax paper will work. Just doesn't work as good. Doesn't hold up as long either. Doesn't prevent the rust like beeswax will either. Um, do you know you what I mean by that. Mustang suit? Yeah. So anybody that else that doesn't know what a Mustang suit is, it's much like a survival suit on steroids. Usually it's a sealed unit for going into icy water and doing rescues and stuff like that. Um, if you use beeswax to treat the zippers on those, they generally won't build up corrosion and stuff. It seems to have some sort of salt inhibiting factor to it. Uh, and it works really well. Yeah. The salt inhibiting factor is that it doesn't let moisture get to it. <clears throat> well, beeswax coats it. They actually make a sipper lubricant sealer that comes with the Mustang suits and it never seems to prevent the corrosion. Yeah. I, the beeswax just seems to do it better. So uh, maybe it does seal it better. I, I don't know, but it just seems to work better. It, it's Anything like wa water won't stick the beeswax. It'll bleed off. So when you put it on, it creates a thin layer that prevents oxygen and water from touching it. Uh, and it, it, it forms that lubrication. You can get a similar lubrication also using a pencil. Graphite, graphite. Yeah. Take like say your your jean zipper if it's it's seizing because it's especially because it's like a usually a brass one, you rub a piece of graphite off your pencil up and down it a bit and run your zipper and that graphite will actually act as a loop. Good uh, anybody listening out there. Good tip to remember for your backpacks potentially. Yeah. So. But with the plastic style ones, I more recommend. I mean, it'll still work, but the the beeswax is a little bit better. Hmm. I'm sure I could think of lots more things to talk about here, Ben, but we're actually coming up on our hour. We're at 57 minutes in. Yeah, we, we should wrap it up. But that's it. Like When you're looking at things, don't necessarily just look at what it was originally intended to do, but what can I do with it? And then how can I use this to enhance everything else? We, we really stuck to the low-tech stuff. If we wanted to get to the high-tech stuff, there was a bunch of stuff for that, too. Uh, but look at your items. Are they multi-use? Can they have a secondary purpose? Even if it's an emergency secondary purpose, that secondary purpose is something worth thinking about. And knowing that you can use these products in multiple ways and opening up that in your mindset to thinking of things a little outside of the box means that when you need to do it later, you'll already be mentally prepared to do it. Uh, I've seen a few people are hesitant. They're like, oh, that's not meant for that. That is what you've been conditioned to think, but that doesn't mean you can't. And it's it, it can become a bit of a way of like, I walk through like a hardware store and I'm looking around at things and I'm often thinking, how can I use this for something else and vice versa? Because I don't like necessarily paying full price for some things. And I think maybe there's another product that does it as well or better that somebody just hasn't thought of yet. And so thinking about that stuff and understanding how products work and how materials work, that's the, you know, necessity is the mother invention, but being open to it improves on it. So Nomad said one thing I am going to bring into the spotlight, even though I know we're trying to wrap this up, but it is an amazing product and he is 100% right. People don't talk about this enough. It's inner tube. If you can find some bicycle inner tubes, you can make Ranger bands. Uh, you can actually buy what's called a Ranger band product. And all it is is a fancy rubber band for lashing stuff together. But if you can get inner tubes, cheap Ranger bands with a piece of, uh, or with a set of scissors, you can use it to mod like Mora knives. Literally just YouTube Mora knife Ranger band. And there is a plethora of stuff you can do with them. You can put them around lighters. You can use it for strapping. I use it in my fire gear for like holding, uh, covering over buttons on flashlights or holding the mic onto my radio. Like they're, they're amazing. Take yourself an old inner tube, bicycle inner tube, something that has a little bit of stretch to it, not too old, and cut it into like just one inch circles, uh, like one inch. If the inner tube's going like this, cut one inch so that the, you know, the, what am I trying to say here, Ben? <laughs> 
I, I know you know what I mean. I don't know how to describe this. You, you're making large, wide rubber bands, right? So you make a ring. Yeah, and that's it. Right? And you stretch that over things. Um, and you can use it to hold things on, like little belts or whatever. Um, and they're extremely useful. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I've also used uh, larger sections of inner tube uh, for bindings for um, snowshoes. Yes, and this is where I use them a lot is in snowshoeing. Um, also, inner tubes burn for quite a long time. Not the best smoke to breathe in, not going to lie, not the most environmentally friendly thing. In a pinch, though, if things are really wet and you're really cold, a little piece of inner tube is going to burn a long time, burn really hot. Uh, rubber, in general, burns incredibly hot. Uh, and not to tip the hat too much on this, that's why, you know, like mobsters and stuff like that, they always put the body in the trunk before they burn the car, generally because that's where the spare tire is. It's going to burn hot enough with enough intensity that it's probably going to de destroy most of the dental records, as well as bone identification. That's how hot they burn. Information we did not expect today. Um, the other thing that I've used it for, just before you, you, you disappear from it, if you cut little circles... It makes a perfect backing or, or back grommet um, if you have to sew two pieces of material together uh, and you don't want it to pull through. Sort mm -hmm. of like a, a fabric washer, if, if you were. You run your stitching through it and it won't allow it to pull through a piece of material and it adds that reinforcement, similar to a, a rivet on a pair of equipment. Points in your jeans. For the bigger inner tubes, I've used it on tarps and stuff like that to keep them down. You use a button, like a stone or a toggle or something like that. You put it under your tarp. Uh, and then just kind of like... It's almost like a marlin spike with the inner tube. You wrap it around on itself so you got the butterfly wing, slip your uh, toggle down through that and pull it out. And then the tube with the stretch actually gives a little shock absorption to your tarps or your guidelines or whatever you want and the toggle will keep it from ripping through on your tarps so that's another thing you can do with those ranger bands and then you can just tie a rope or something off to that if you want and if something breaks most likely it's going to be the rope and you saved your or sorry not the rope the inner tube and you saved yourself your tarp and your rope if you don't happen to want to cut your rope yeah um yeah yeah, I think that's it. I uh, We were trying to wrap it up there. Uh, the last couple comments here is uh, 46 and 2. Uh, yeah, I'm back here. I know the audio was terrible in the last two videos when I'm hanging out in Halifax. That's because I have a potato for a laptop. Uh, it's literally basically a potato with keys. It's old technology. I think it was like Windows 7. I forced Windows 10 onto it. Nothing really works right with it. Uh, it's terrible audio in a not-so-great location for recording anyway. It's my in-law's kitchen, which uh, has a little echo factor to it anyway. Unlike my office, where it's a little more closed in, and I have sleeping bags and stuff like that hung up all over the walls that kind of keep the reverb off. Uh, and the last one was John Doe. Didn't hear anything about bushcraft here. It seems to be make what you plan on taking with you work. No dish, just saying. And you're completely right, John. That's kind of what we want to talk about here tonight was just... <sighs> It's more about making what you have work and figuring out as you go. We did give a lot of examples of how you can kind of solve Maybe, some yeah. solutions while you're out there. Uh, it wasn't a directly bushcrafting topic. And I know you're, you're not dissing us. I get it, John. You've been here before. We don't take any offense to that. It's just this... It, it's more of a mentality of going in there. Like... Um, yeah, just, just make it work. It, it's not necessarily always going to be bushcrafting. Could be camping. Could just be your day at work. Uh, think outside the box is all we were trying to get you to do here. Is just don't get yourself... I think you said it earlier in the episode. You've been conditioned to believe something potentially. Just take the blinders off every now and then. Realize that you can do a lot with just the power you got inside your own skull and basically what's in your kit bag. Yeah. But, and... And carry this on to your bushcrafting, but you can carry it on to the rest of your life. So early on, we did say this is kind of good life advice. Um, and, and, you know, we're not a, above or below giving that. Um, but a lot of our examples were outdoor related, which is, is our intent generally. But keep, a, keep in mind, things have multiple uh, purposes. But when things are going wrong, make what you have work and keep plugging on. 
I guess. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> I think it was Nomad said it earlier. A lot of the skills we use in bushcrafting is intertwined with our skills that we use in day-to-day -day life. Uh, most of the ropes and knots I use in bushcrafting, for instance, I use in firefighting. You know what I mean? I have like six solid knots I use for basically everything in my life. Bushcrafting, tying down stuff on my truck, firefighting, like everything. It's, it's more than just bushcrafting. It's almost a way of life, in all honesty. And that goes with a lot of the stuff we talk about and a lot of the stuff we do. Not that we're, you know, the most advanced outdoors people out there, but as our skills developed and our lifestyles kind of followed suit, that's just how it kind of wound up for us. And I think uh, a good majority of our listeners out there, at least I hope a good majority of our listeners out there, is probably the path they're either starting to walk down or they're walking alongside us, I think is the best way to say that, isn't it, Ben? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Uh, it is over our hour, and uh, I'm hungry, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say we sign off now. Sounds good, uh, Ben. Thank you for everyone who came, came and listened to us. And uh, like we say, get out there, enjoy it, have fun. Figure out how to get out there and make that work. Um, you know, it's not always going to be the trip maybe you planned, but maybe it's the trip you needed. Exactly. Play safe, folks. Let us know about it. We'll see you next week.